know what really makes us mad? Is wasting money on CDs with only one or two good songs. Yeah. Tell them about punk! What's up, posers? Welcome to Punk Lotto Pod. I am your co-host, Justin Hensley. I am your other co-host, Dylan Hensley. And this is the show where we assign our guests a year, and they choose one punk, hardcore, emo, post-punk, punk-adjacent record from that year for us to talk about. Yeah, today we're talking to Drew Clegg of the band Dry Socket, and they're a Portland-based hardcore band who released a 7-inch called Shiver. Actually, physically released this year. Last year, it was released digitally. And on cassette, excellent, excellent EP. One of the one of the coolest hardcore EPs of 2020 for sure. And what are we talking about today? We are talking about the year 1993 and the classic skate punk record, "How to Clean Everything" by Propagandi. Yeah, this conversation is really good. We're not too divergent on this one. We we do at the end, but you know that's how podcasts go. We managed to stay pretty focused on the album we we go through the songs more than we use yeah we uh, yeah we we definitely we didn't even spend too much time up top on the charts either mm-hmm. um a good good chunk of it is really just talking about the record mm-hmm. so that that's unusual we do tend to spend a lot of time talking about a few other records uh from the same year but not this time yeah but if you do want to hear us talk about other records from this year, head on over to our Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash punklottopod, and we are doing a starting five. Yeah, we're going to each pick five records to talk about from 1993. We we try to avoid picking like the obvious ones or the ones that we've already talked about a bunch of times. Like, you don't need to hear me say, I really like Super Chunk again. <laughs> We saved that for the main episode. Yeah. <laughs> we dug a little deeper and found a couple things. And and we I think we even kind of avoided stuff that we've talked about recently even on Patreon. So it, this is going to be a unique episode of the uh, bonus audio, which you can go get for a dollar on Patreon. Uh, you get access to all the bonus audio that we have recorded so far, uh, which I don't know how many we've done at this point. We've done 10, 15, maybe. Yeah, seems like it. It's been a few months. Yeah, maybe higher than that. If I actually went through and counted everything, it probably would be wind up being higher. But uh, yeah, you can get all of that for $1. You can download them all, listen to them all, and delete it and not pay us anymore. <laughs> or you can go to our second tier, which is a very fun tier. That is the $10 tier. There's only one of those available per month where you get to choose, you the patron, get to choose what we are going to talk about on the show. We've done one. We, we really liked it. And we yeah. Definitely want to do more. Yeah, it was uh, it was a really good episode. I feel like yeah, you have pretty much f- almost free range on mm-hmm. those. There's a couple of lines that you know we won't cross, but I'm sure <laughs> our listeners are familiar. Yeah, and have the same lines. So yeah, no but screwdriver pick, records. Yeah, if you <laughs> want to pick something totally random, you can do that. Want us to, to talk about your favorite record of all time? We can do that. Yeah. You want to punish us with a record that you know we don't like, but you do? You can do that, too. 
But yeah, ten dollars over on the Patreon. I think it's a steal to get a whole podcast dedicated to your content, to whatever you want us to talk about. And you can follow us on all sorts of social medias: Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Punk Lotto Pod, email punklottopod gmail.com, voicemail two zero two six eight eight punk. We got a Substack, punklottopod.substack.com. And I think that's everything. Yeah. So enjoy this episode with Drew. It's a really fun conversation about a classic record. have a little bit of a story time okay so <laughs> for the listeners um so i'm pretty sure i learned about dry socket thanks to like a no echo article maybe last oh, year yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. and i definitely i definitely listened to it at that time thought it ruled uh included it on our best of 2020 list thank you and then um oh yeah i followed your the the instagram account for your band and i was like cool i'm gonna ask them one day and like my my booking is basically whoever like I have accidentally stumbled across that day, and I'd be like, oh, I should send them an email or a message and see if they want to do the show. So, like, yours never showed up before until uh, um, we did the episode with Ancient Shores, and we had oh, yeah. Brett and Joel from that band, and that episode was really fun. And then, like, a few days later, Joel messaged me. He said... Uh, uh, I can get you in touch with the uh, dry socket. I was like, "Oh yeah, <laughs> you can," <laughs> uh, because apparently some members of dry socket were also in Sinare. Is that how you say it? Sinare. Sure, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> you were in that one. Been, uh, I was not in that band. That was probably Ancient Shores. I believe is Jeff. I don't. I don't know why I don't know that name. I know like every other Jeff band, but that was probably Jeff who was in that. <laughs> imagine but uh Sinari did a split with ancient shores so there was like a friendship connection there so he put me in touch with yeah. jeff yeah and uh i think i guess he couldn't he couldn't do it or didn't want to do this one so he passed the show over to you <laughs> it's yeah it's the it, it's he i think it's like a nerves thing or something because he's never really done anything like it then he ended up doing the other one anyway and i think he's uh, yeah i think he's just really nervous he likes to be very particular about i don't know what he puts forward or like how he presents himself maybe and um uh maybe it stressed him out i don't know but 
Yeah. Hey, I'm happy to be here though, because yeah. it's not my first rodeo, and <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, we're definitely happy to have you. I didn't care, like you know, I wasn't like, darn, I wanted just one of you from the, you know, <laughs> like it wasn't yeah. like. I had to have the one that was on the split with ancient. No, I, well, I would it have been to talk nice, with right? But <laughs> <laughs> I think it's a little funnier. So now Joel's gonna listen to this and be like, "What? That's not who I." <laughs> I don't even know that dude. What the hell? Um, zero stars. <laughs> yeah, zero stars. Bait and switch. Unsubscribe. <laughs> Negative review. Switch with the less interesting <laughs> member of the band. <laughs> So, uh, Dry Sockets, Portland-based. Um, mm-hmm. You're further out than they are now. Is everyone else still in Portland? Yeah, everyone else is. Um, yeah, uh, we're, I'm just like an hour and a half out is all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, did you grow up in that scene? Oh, hell no. I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> uh, I grew up with like uh, in the same scene as like the Menzingers, Title Fight, Tiger's Jaw. We nice. all grew up together. And uh, yeah, like all their old bands was playing with my old bands and then they like all those bands just blew up and just got world huge um and i stayed in shitty power violence bands (laughs) the whole time (laughs) and uh yeah and then eventually moved out to portland about eight years ago and kind of started fresh so it's been about eight years that i've been a part of the portland punk scene Uh, has has the has the coast change been very different for you was you know moving from philly to here yeah portland's crazy um well you know i kind of all my plans drastically changed when i got here i kind of just bought a one-way ticket with ulterior motives and didn't really have any plans or anywhere to stay and a bunch of stuff just like kind of fell in my lap and i ended up staying in like a little closet for from a friend like these two friends like found a place and they're supposed to like not even live in Portland, but they just like stopped there and really liked it. And then I met who is now my partner. I met her the first day. We had been talking a little bit online, but I met her the first day I got to Portland. So everything kind of just like fell into place and um, started searching around for band members and randomly found band members for my first band in Portland. Uh, we were together for five years ish i did vocals for that band that band was called squalor uh released like two records and um just like right when squalor was kind of calling it quits is when uh i kind of approached danny on doing a project where she would do vocals and and it's not the first time i've expressed interest it just never really worked out because um i booked a show with a dangers squalor and her band screaming skull and uh a few other really great bands that were local and screaming skull just like blew me away they were insanely good they're super crazy super chaotic and she was just extremely passionate uh vocal uh not just her like gnarly vocals but also like the subjects of them and everything and just great so it always left an impression on me and then they kind of fizzled away it's like people getting busy and couldn't do it and I was like, man, your vocals need to be on something. So I wanted to do something. And she was like, cool, but Jeff and I are like a package deal. Jeff will be in the band as well. And I was like, cool, I, I love Jeff. I, I've had nothing but great experiences with Jeff. Jeff works very, very hard in the Portland scene for booking. Like, insanely hard. Danny has booked a bunch too. 
and I was booking for a bit, but it seems like, I don't know, like the venue, there's like a, a main venue called Blackwater that we always book at. And it's like, if Jeff's there, they assume Jeff is doing the show <laughs> or some, it was for a while. It was like, if I was there, they were asking me questions, but, um, <laughs> Jeff just always like, I don't know, worked really hard getting bands together, making sure they were paid well, like just a bunch of stuff, giving them a place to stay. So that was great. And then we just needed a drummer. We, I talked to another drummer and we had another drummer on the demo. Um, and that just didn't work out. Uh, he's a crazy good drummer and just scheduling, not working and a lot of stuff going on with life. So Jeff was like, I know this dude and he was in my old band and I was like, cool. Yeah, that's awesome. And then like Curtis showed up to practice and knew like three or four of the five songs already without even practicing. (laughs) And I was like, absolutely. Yes, this is, you're (laughs) kidding me, right? Like Curtis is a monster. He's just like a drumming robot. So, um, that's kind of been the lineup ever since we, I know we work very well together and, shiver was recorded right before the pandemic hit um february 1st (laughs) uh was when we recorded and it just it kind of just like we didn't know what to do (laughs) so that's kind of where we're at now when did when was the ep released digitally and because i know vinyl Uh, didn't come out to this year right yeah well it was released actually i don't because it was released on tape uh yeah so it was let's see we put it out digitally may 26th so i imagine tape was right around then as well and we had already at the point of putting it out on tape had already gotten blind rage had already been like i want to put this out and we were like cool and then he was just like looking for other labels and he kind of like found the other labels and then it got put on like a back burner i mean pandemic it's like yeah which we weren't bummed about like I mean, it was crazy to think that anyone drop any money on us in a normal life and then <laughs> and then the world took a shit. So we were extremely um, shocked that anyone would want to do anything. And then like to have it kind of like switch where to live a lie kind of started spearheading everything afterwards. And um, that just like blew me away because to live a lie is a record label that I've always loved. And then just so everyone just worked really hard to get the record out as quick as they could and it's just like with the pandemic and how slow it takes to get records made now um it finally came out but i mean couldn't have been happier honestly it's just still really surreal like i have put some things out on vinyl before but never have had this response for it like this is just crazy to me so you know like we've talked before on the show about how like 2020 was like a really good year for bands as far as like being discovered online like i feel like a ton of bands like got way more traction that in years past where like it probably just been like covered up with just like touring news or like oh there's a new seven inch and then like it's out of everybody's feed because it like oh thrice announced a tour you know like that kind of thing sure so like it feels like 2020 was like a really good year for everyone to be like I'm online all day long now. Uh, well, let's check out all these bands that I've never heard of before. So, it, I mean, it's got to it's got to feel nice knowing that like the I don't think had Dry Socket toured before. With Dry Sockets play. I can probably count on one hand how many shows yeah. we played. Maybe maybe two. Because uh, we just like I don't know. I uh, maybe maybe have played ten shows. I don't know. We played <laughs> we played a couple and. Yeah, we we haven't done anything. We actually had a weekend planned with Deadwitch, uh, who is everyone in my old band minus me. 
um, <laughs> and which sounds bad, but I swear we're all good friends still. Um, and this uh, this band Gilded Age, who is an insanely good screamo band, and it was going to be all three of us doing just like a Northwest. Um, just long weekend and we had everything booked and canceled it cause pandemic and yeah. uh, some pretty gnarly shows. And we were supposed to um, do a bunch just with friends in the area that of bands that like we always wanted to do stuff with and just, yeah, everything shut down. And then both I, we, I mean, we are all four of us are very strict on like not doing shows too early and stuff like that. But I remember like Danny and I being like very like, absolutely not and then like uh, obviously everyone else was too but i just remember like the last year being like i took a really strong standpoint of like i don't give a fuck about shows i don't give a fuck about that shit like communities need help like you're like people need help and that's way more important than your fucking punk band like (laughs) um so i just like we took like a hard left turn on that for a while but um i think we just have officially said i can't say anything but we just officially said yes to our first show it won't be happening till september and we're hoping that everything's just like kind of normal by then because if not then you know we won't do it but that's like so yeah that seems to be the the around the time everybody's kind of banking on i guess the bigger bands are going for like starting in august but like yeah there's some that are sooner but i yeah i don't know like even fest happening this year seems like it's crazy that it's happening this year in october like and not and i'm not not in a bad way i'm not judging they're you know saying like if enough people aren't vaccinated they're not gonna think. but like it's just uh just crazy to me it just seems like it's still too soon to do something on such a big scale because that's huge fest is huge so yeah especially after like we've barely even scratched the surface of what it's going to be like with small shows so like yeah, yeah. massive festival is going to be like uh, it's just a giant question mark i guess yeah what what's the big one in September? Riot Fest is before Fest, and that's in September. I guess that'll be the guinea pig. <laughs> well, there's when is Furnace Fest? That's in August. That's yeah, going to be in August. Yeah, and then whenever Coachella is, like something of those sizes, like especially Coachella, that scares the fuck out of me. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I don't even know how I'm going to react. Like because like it's always been a thing where it's like big goal. I want to play Fest. I want to play Fest. The last band I was in played. Uh, not squalor but in pa i was in a band called kids and they played fest the year after i moved so i never actually got to go and play fest so um would be really crazy to go and play but i'm also like that scares me (laughs) (laughs) maybe next year (laughs) i remember the band kids it was kids with a period at the end uh maybe uh i don't know it's just kids uh it's um pretty much a silly band screaming kid on the cover album cover yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah i've definitely listened to that <laughs> yeah that's that was our first demo um yeah. holy shit yeah that was us yeah um yeah they're they're still doing stuff yeah it's just you know i left and they kind of just kept making crazy gnarly music and uh <laughs> the singer actually just moved out to portland like three months ago so he's out in portland now and i'm secretly trying to do a side project with him because he's been my one of my best friends since for like the last 20 years so um, but yeah, like, you know, the drummer of kids was in captain. We're sinking and oh, nice. bear in kids is in mannequin pussy. So it's yeah. just these, everyone was in these like big bands. And then Ben, the bassist, he's in, he does everything. He used to be like backing band for that band live. And then he <laughs> like, Dolphins plays for you. 
you me and everything we know uh you mean everyone we know um yeah. he plays with them too so he's always doing crazy stuff so that's awesome yeah. yeah, I remember downloading kids in that era where like it was very blogspot heavy. I think still, like maybe Bandcamp was just starting to take off. But yeah, I feel I was... like yeah, I don't know. That might be a little too early. I don't know. It, it seems weird because I feel like I knew about Bandcamp way before I was mm-hmm. in kids. Hmm. Like I feel like bands had been putting stuff out on that point. At that point, I specifically remember a demo of dangers opposable on kit on Bandcamp. that was like the first time i heard a band and that was like before but uh yeah i mean it still kind of lines up yeah i feel like it just got really huge and now it's this weird thing where it's like not used anymore like i don't know it's crazy like i still love Bandcamp, but it's like spotify is the thing <laughs> like you know yeah or like any sort of streaming service is the thing yeah yeah i don't know i still go to Bandcamp very frequently i guess i like if i'm gonna listen to it i probably will go to spotify but if it's not on spotify i listen on Bandcamp. yeah like, as, as if there's a if the if the record isn't on something i'm immediately at Bandcamp for sure yeah. um but it's hard to compete with a streaming service that's still so integrated with like your phone and stuff yeah um Bandcamp's trying with their app but it's not quite the same yeah yeah they yeah the app is very interesting it's better than it used to be i think it used to crash for a lot. sure <laughs> but it's, it's great that you worked with uh, to live a lie they're uh they're a north carolina label yeah so, i'm hyped he they've all put so much fucking crazy work into yeah. that shit and so cool super surreal like putting out records that i've been hard rotating for like my entirety of being into noisy music so <laughs> Well, I think you uh, answered all my questions without me having to ask them. Uh, so. <laughs> Sick. I like when that works. <laughs> A-plus podcasting there. <laughs> cool. Well, hopefully we'll get to see you. I mean, unless I'm going to Portland. I don't know if I'll see you this year, but hopefully we'll get to see you live at some point in the future, near future. Yeah, we'll figure it out. It'll yeah. eventually happen. Yeah. Uh, well, cool. Let's get into the rest of the show. So... Uh, the premise of our show is we assign our guests a year, and they choose an album from that year for us to talk about. So we gave you the year actually chose uh what are some other albums that came out that year that uh, you you considered talking about well this year is crazy i'm sure everyone says that like <laughs> because like you just don't realize how many releases are in a year right but 
it's unfortunate that I'm not like a huge Nirvana fan because mm-hmm. In Utero came out and that's like a big thing for music and I respect that. I just I'm just not a huge fan myself and not in a bad way. I don't mean any ill will, but I would be the absolute wrong person to talk about that <laughs> record. And that's crazy because In Utero is a huge record. I mean Fugazi, uh, multiple Bikini Kill releases. Yeah. Um one of my all-time favorite bands, uh, I'm sure I'll be made fun of, but ever since I was a kid, was the Mighty Mighty Boston's. They put out Don't Know How to Party that year. Yeah. Love that band. Uh, Drop Dead put out a record. I was listening I to just Drop like, Dead today. Yeah, yeah. Dude, band is insane. Even Rancid <laughs> has their first self-titled that year. Yeah. There's a bunch of really cool, just like, noise, noise rock stuff, like Super Chunk, and it's just... I was blown away i can't i also didn't can't believe i didn't even look past the first freaking page <laughs> uh, i feel like a dummy for that but um like hum i'm just like I, right before we started i was like wow suicidal tendencies like i just <laughs> all these bands i'm just like god um yeah so there's a lot of crazy crazy good stuff and it just ranges everywhere from like it's just so many fairly important bands with important records this year but I would say the most influential for most people is going to be that Nirvana record, and that's crazy that it's yeah. in the same year as Propagandi's first record. Yeah, I mean, it's just yeah, it's just wild. It sucks that like Ben Weasel's a piece of shit, but Screeching Weasels yeah. back in the day. <laughs> and, uh, you just know, a bunch of really good things, man. It's so funny. Like I send lists to like every guest I send the list to, and like every time there's like a a Screeching Weasel record on there, I'm like. Oh, please don't pick that. Please don't. I haven't, yeah. like, warned any... I, though I did warn someone this week away from choosing a Smith's record. I was like, ah. Uh, uh, yeah, that's another <laughs> one where it's like... I must feel like you have to because you, like... you. It's like there's this weird thing that when it's old enough, you can separate art from artist or something. Mm-hmm. It's this weird thing that happens, and it's, like, not really the case, so... <laughs> But yeah, I mean, yeah, Born Against. I, I'm still going through, like, I can't believe how many bands <laughs> are discharged. A lot of D-Beat put out this disfear. Yeah. A lot of D-Beat. Um, there's a disfear album that year. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Disfear, Discharge, um, a few other ones too. Anti-Semics. Just, uh, just crazy. Um, I also saw there was a, uh, uh, what's the band before? Toys That Kill. Um, there are two uh fyp i'm sh- yeah thank you i think yeah. fyp's on this list as well yeah it's just uh i guess fyp's still playing but they were before but uh yeah and i love toys that kill as well so yeah it's just a a crazy year for for punk and for just changing how people saw music on a more mainstream level yeah i was surprised looking at it like I kind of was like, oh yeah, 93, that's going to be a stacked year for like pop punk or something like that. Or more like, you know, the more melodic side of punk. And then I was going through the list and I was like, well, it's way noisier and artier than I expected it to be <laughs> for 93. Yeah, you, you know, there's no like Descendants record. There's like, I don't know, just like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, the bands I almost associate with early 90s, something like that. Yeah, and I guess that would take, what, 94 with Green Day to really make everybody like, you know, now we're doing melodies yeah that would that would definitely change it <laughs> uh dylan if you were the guest i like to ask this uh what would you pick for us to talk about um there are some really good records on here a 10-foot pole i sorry i'm still getting blown away by <laughs> there's stuff there's way. stuff that i know justin and i are going to talk about on our patreon so i want to avoid those yeah. but um 
I I might say uh, that Wipers record is underrated. Silver Sail, um, which I say that about like everything that came out after the first three records. I'm like, they're really good. They're all great. I started that one today. Is it is it all acoustic? Because the first couple tracks are like acoustic. It's pretty heavily acoustic. It's definitely one of the chiller Wiper Wipers records. He's not really yelling on really any of the songs. I mean, there's, you know, there's electric guitar, mostly lead guitar, though. But yeah, there's definitely a lot of acoustic. It's definitely more like his solo material. I've talked about it a billion times before on our show, but I, Super Junk released On The Mouth, and that's my favorite Super Junk record, and Super Junk is probably my favorite band, at least right now. You know, it'll change probably in six months, but... Super Junk is a great band, and it's something that's like, there's bands like that that just caught on to younger people way later. Like, yeah. I feel like they did okay anyway, but I feel like there was just this resurgence of Super Chunk fans in, like, the early 2000s, and, or, like, mid-2000s, I guess I should say, and, uh, yeah, so it's just been, it's been heavy rotation for me over the last maybe 10 years, and it's not something I would have normally listened to. Yeah, um, my guess is that it's more of they had more competition, probably, during the 90s, you know, with, like, yeah. even, like, Archers of Loaf, you know, have released a record that same year, and... You have, like, the bigger ones, like Pavement, you know? So, like, I guess the attention... Because Superchunk was always a little faster, a little punkier than a lot of the other indie rock bands. Yeah, it's like one of those years where it's just, like, ton of great records, but also feels like we're on the cusp of, like... I guess we are right here on the cusp of the mainstream punk rock explosion that would happen in 94, 95. Yeah, like, some of the like i said like some of the records are groundbreaking but it's just like right before bands that like are within my wheelhouse are consistently putting stuff out but yeah i'm i'm hyped for today's record though because yeah changed my life so well then let's get into it then so we gave you 93 and you chose propagandi's how to clean everything Propagandi or Propagandi? Propagandi is how I say it, but yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I, I've heard both. I say Gandhi. I also don't know how to... I guess it's how to pronounce Gandhi correctly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Gandhi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It could just be somebody's accent that makes them say Gandhi. But Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, some stats before we get into the opinion section uh they formed in 1986 in portage la prairie 
in Manitoba, Canada, later relocated to Winnipeg. This was released May 31st, 1993 on Fat Records, and this is their debut full-length album. The personnel on this album is Chris Hanna on guitar and vocals, John K. Sampson on bass and vocals, and George Samoleski on drums and backing vocals. I tried to find some production notes. I can't, Fat Mike was involved, but I don't think he was acted as like a producer on this album. Probably more just like an executive producer who was hanging out in the studio. But yeah, uh, I'll pause there for now. Um, so you said it changed your life, and uh, but uh, I always ask, uh, what made you choose this album specifically? I mean, you kind of answered it there, but so yeah, so I think I think Propagandi ends up being across the board top five or top three all time favorite bands forever. Like it, obviously that kind of rotates. There's certain things you get into, but I have like the Clash is like my all time favorite band propagandi's up there and there's a few other ones that just like never change and so I, like i said before is like i probably would have picked that record no matter what but like propagandi is the perfect band <laughs> 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 everything they release like i don't give a shit like i i know that they're way different now and all that but everything they release is amazing they always are doing they're always on like the right side of history with shit like i don't know they're just like the best band ever and so Back home in Pennsylvania, there when I in my first ever like I don't want to say serious band, but like serious to us, I was in like a ska punk band, and we played with this band who ended up being lifelong friends. The this band called Precedent, and Precedent was essentially that type of propaganda ripoff completely, <laughs> and it became an obsession for all of us. Like they were already super super into propaganda. That was my first time getting into them and that was the record the first record i listened to and it just became this like huge obsession of i need to like know how to play these songs i need to write as good as this i need to be as fast as them like it's just all of this like crazy obsession with it and yeah that this band precedent who still really amazing friends they ended up being in this band the same three people growing up and being uh the greek favorites who are one of the best like screamo i don't know punk bands in my opinion ever and they just never really saw the light of day for most people they just like always had that same tongue-in-cheek almost or they just did so good at doing that style and it was just like yeah i don't know this record just in embodies everything that is supposed to be really punk um it's like super tongue in tongue-in-cheek it's super um angsty it's super bratty at points like the song titles are so juvenile but they fit so well and and like i was talking to talking to my friend yesterday i had like i had we had our first visitor pretty much in like the lot since since before covid and uh he was over last night and i was like i'm so excited to talk about this because i was like the more i was listening to it this week the more i was like holy shit like this is exactly what no effects wanted war and errorism to be and they just failed <laughs> miserably because like and like because it literally just sounds like you know decades before war and errorism came out like i know that no effects was doing that style anyway but this is what like this is the best way to do it and it was actually good like and i'm i'm gonna shit on no effects as much as possible because i fucking hate that like um oh yeah we as much as no i used to fans. as much as i used to love no effects when i was younger that is now out the door just like screeching weasel this is definitely a no no effects yeah yeah 
Uh, Dylan, That's the new um, name of the podcast, right? No, no effects pod, right? No, no effects. <laughs> Where we talk about Pennywise's discography. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> History has been kinder to Pennywise than No Effects. <laughs> In ways, even though I think if more shit came out about their guitarist, how <laughs> shitty their guitarist is, that would change as well. Yeah, but I don't know, keep jocks out of punk. Is what I say. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um Dylan, what uh we kind of talked a little bit about this record not too long ago. I think it was was it a Patreon we talked about it? Or maybe it was like just someone mentioned a propaganda record. It came up in I don't remember what episode that was. It was not too long ago, but it came up kind of early in the conversation where they were talking about uh they were talking about brackets. I know it was something to do with a social media punk band bracket and they right, were right. deciding i think it was i think it was they were talking the poll oh, no no that's what it was it wasn't a bracket necessarily but it was it was definitely like a poll story yeah. thing and they ultimately landed on this record being the best propaganda propaganda record that was the conversation yeah. um so and you had re- revisited it recent to that point so yeah i had listened to it that week because of my weirdo calendar <laughs> system that i have to use for some reason um for the listener's sake i don't know how much i've explained this on the proper show um for some <laughs> reason i got well it's been an evolution of different generative numerative systems not not unlike our random selections for this show but ultimately now i'm looking at the years 1965 71 82 93 and 99 and sometimes 2010 though very rarely um because they all share the same calendar as this year so you can reuse calendars from those years this <laughs> year so in order to kind of force myself to listen to music i wouldn't otherwise select is part of the reason and also just to kind of familiarize myself with different styles of music across different periods of time i'm using this and kind of going really deep on these very specific years. Um, so 93, the year that we're talking about, is one of those years, and this one came up for, I believe it was, what, came out in May, mm-hmm. I think, was the release? Yeah, May. Um, so I had had it pulled for a while, and I ended up listening to it in June. And I don't remember exactly what I said about how I felt about this record. I definitely not much. was not super positive on it, when I listened to it that first time and I've done an almost 180 on hmm. it interesting since that first listen re-listening for this episode yeah it's better than I gave it credit for that that last time I I'll kind of give my like propaganda background so I'm really close to friends with two guys who are very much in the vein of this is their best record or <laughs> the ones right after two maybe I ha- they're they're the type of guys who are like yeah anything uh after Potemkin or like Potemkin City Limits and after I, I don't like it's just only the first what three full lengths like that's the only the only Most good propaganda these people are absolutely crazy <laughs> the songwriting is just astounding on Potemkin on as well it's just nuts so I'll let that be I don't want to fight I don't want to fight no 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 uh, um so I've definitely have been. I I was raised in an environment that told me that this was the best propaganda record. And then all the reissues that happened around this record. This record gets reissued all the time. I think Fat Mike probably likes it the best. That's probably why he keeps reissuing it. 
But um, so I was always under like, well, I guess this is supposed to be the best one. So I think I'm more of a fan of let's talk more rock or today's ashes um, or today's empires tomorrow's ashes. It's probably my favorite stuff, but this is a really really fun record. Like <laughs> the skeleton and like the essence of who Propaganda is is here, but it's also very. They were young, like I think Chris said he was twenty when he wrote these songs, or yeah, like Chris when they 20. recorded these songs. So it's probably Chris even younger. 20. So like it's definitely like the immature version of what they would later become. Yeah, I feel like when you're talking about later records, like today's empires, is that no frills perfect in between the two versions of propaganda you know Mm -hmm. the vocals change but they're still kind of hard hitting and that opening song is just insanely good but as far as like the like i i do like to use bratty a lot because it definitely his vocals just remind me of like like it's skate punk right so it's like super super bratty and childish but other than the fact that the content that they're talking about in the in the lyrics is not but uh I think How to Clean Everything is just the it's an amazing first record for a band. Definitely like, you know, Less Talk is definitely probably a better record, but um as far as a, especially back then, a first record for a band to be, you know, it's hard for punk bands to write whole records and still be good start to finish. Like you get through and you're getting like halfway, th- you know, th- halfway through the record and you're like, "Wow, every song is still slapping. Like every song is still <laughs> very good." Like it, you know, I don't love the cover. I don't care about the cheap trick <laughs> cover. I just don't, I'm not a huge, like, you know, but, um, otherwise, I don't know. I'd say you can get up to track eight of 11, right. And still be like, wow, all of these songs were very good. I love the last couple, but like, I understand how they may not be like as hard hitting, but showdown is obviously the best, one of the best songs ever written. <laughs> um, oh yeah. So, oh Absolutely. Spoken minds too clearly assume fundamental rights in parent, not as bots, but men. I do not require a gauge for freedoms of speech, cause I never asked to be a citizen. I never have and never will pledge allegiance. (laughs) 
Yeah, this is one of those r rare records where I do kind of want to like go through the track listing because a lot of times we don't do that. We only do that for a few records. So like this one is one though that's just like there's enough different things on here that it, maybe not go to like every single track, but it's definitely one where I can be like I have an opinion on almost every one of these songs. But you're right, Showdown. I think Showdown is the absolute best song on the record. For sure. Um, I mean, I'm. I'm I'm a massive weaker than Anson John K. Sampson fan, so naturally I'm going to gravitate to his songs on yeah. whatever albums. But this is this is both of them. This is Chris and John, which I don't think there's any more like that, are there? Really? I mean, I I can't think of one that what, like just meshes so well together. Um, if there is one at all. Yeah, yeah, because on Anchorless it's all John. And there's another track on there on, on that album too. I think with just John, but. Yeah, it's just a nice combination of that. Like, it's still the the skate punk sound that Propagandi was going for here. But then even just those things, those melodies, those John K. Sampson melodies that just, like, mark those very early Weaker Than's records so sure. clearly. I think, yeah, just his vocals in general make it the standout track, probably. Mm-hmm. Because, but it, it's because it's just so different, even though the musically not different. Um, mm-hmm. I guess it's like mid pace and most of this isn't, but, uh, yeah, it's just like, I remember when I was like getting serious at guitar and being like, uh, hate myth, muscle, muscle and etiquette. Like I, I have to know that guitar <laughs> line, the triple strumming with like the seventh, um, the seventh chord, just like, I have to know how to play that guitar line. I'd sit there and like spend hours trying to get my triple strum tight enough. Cause it's just so crazy. And just, yeah, just this record just brings back all these like, hating myself as a musician because <laughs> it's just it's crazy what they're doing for it to be just a skate punk record like they're yeah you know and then there's like yeah there's just so much on this record <laughs> <laughs> um yeah the triplets are i make notes for each track on uh the album when i listen to them for the show and that song is um well the track before head chest or foot I wrote, love those triplet riffs, and then on Hate Myth, Muscle Etiquette, the first line I wrote is, triplets are back, and... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And they're so clean. Like, yeah. I know, like, he's essentially just, like, a thrash metal guitarist, but, like, it, they're just so unbelievably clean. And also, the, something to note is how little gain they have. Like, it's almost a clean guitar, which is crazy to me for how heavy it is. <laughs> yeah, it's a, and it's a really what gain there is. Yeah, it's just very, it's very clean and gated, and like, yeah. it's there's definitely no like feedback. There's no ringing out. Closest you get are some like some pinches, little little harmonic, little pinch harmonics in yeah. there, but it's yeah, it's just um, it's crazy how much he can do with very little. He's an insane guitarist. They're at, they're all insane musicians. Um, it's also funny. It's probably the only time you can hear anything mildly sloppy from George is on this record especially on like fuck machine um just like small little things because he is absolutely like a robotic drummer so um to hear that like the youngness of all of them just that little bit of like unpolished is something noticing as i was re-listening this time it's really no surprise that they did go in the direction they went musically because like that thrashy element was there on this record so like, I guess no one should have been surprised that they like basically turned into like a like thrash a prog band almost melodic like. <laughs> hardcore. Yeah. <laughs> well, the thrash proggy. The thrash here 
it almost seems like just just a byproduct of being a band in the early 90s because and yeah for sure and formed just in the late 80s the kind of thing that was in the water i mean it's mm-hmm. pretty inescapable by this point i mean especially if you were in if you were into punk and you were in that subculture cuz i mean you know as far as what was going on in the 80s in punk it's mostly hardcore and that's right up against thrash and like how many hardcore bands turned into thrash metal bands mm-hmm. yeah, yeah for sure basically if they survived past 1985 they became a thrash metal band yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah it makes perfect sense though weirdly like bad religion never crossed that threshold like they stayed right there at that skate punk wall and they never went full metal <laughs> well they had their weird prog rock record so yeah and maybe they just learned from that <laughs> <laughs> like let's Speak not with the formula <laughs> yeah let's not go on any weird excursions <laughs> ever again yeah it i think propagandi's transition and how they were still successful at it is of a, a pure um just showmanship like shows how good they were are at as musicians and as songwriters to be able to gradually like a lot of bands can like like they change sound on a dime and some mm-hmm. of them are ex- are successful but this band like just like gradually turned into the propaganda that is today and they still do very good and they still write really good music even if like like victory lap is like a weird record it's not like a hard-hitting record like the other ones it's still a well-written record though so it's like um as far as like you know how they wrote stuff like it, it, i whether you like it or not that's your own preference but um it's just like it shows how good they are as musicians that they can do they can really pull off this pure genre transcend transcending genres type music all the time because even on like this record it's still manages to avoid because like i don't think it's a it's a hot take to say that a lot of skate punk records sound the same from beginning to end you know, there's a few and far between ones that actually can create enough differences in all of the songs to make them stand out. And this and this record is one of those where I was just like, they don't sound like even the ones at the end that are like, you know, who will help me make bread or I don't know, fuck machine. Like they they might could be like, well, it's kind of the same thing as the earlier part of the album, but not really. Like it's not. I'd say in weird ways they do definitely stand out that way, but also they do the exact formula that a lot of skate punk bands did back then. Like they're ska songs. Yeah. Every yeah. skate punk band did ska songs. <laughs> Granted, these ska songs are different, very yeah. different, but they still did it. Like so in a weird way they were following that same exact formula that a lot of skate punk bands did. Like a lot of skate punk bands got popular on their one ska song, right? And then yeah. there's like <laughs> just kept playing fast um so yeah it's definitely like there are hints and nods of like definitely exactly what no effects was doing or whatever but then it's just just that little bit different and Mm. um definitely like showing that they can be like as fast as other bands and as hard as other bands like i definitely was like they were really trying to come out swinging um with this record in weird ways and then it's almost like they didn't give a shit and they're like we're just gonna play like the metal shit that we really like <laughs> that's like where like where the transition came like, yeah i wonder if chris chris hannah just sat there and was like i'm so sick of sounding snotty i'm gonna sing normal <laughs> like because that's like when everything changed he um he said that I, I think i read that it was like a vice article where they like asked him to rank rank the albums and uh he put this one last because you know 
he was a teenager when he wrote these songs. But he said that he's like, oh, I didn't, I, I don't know what I was doing vocally. Like I was trying to do like this weird fat mic sort of like you know imposter thing, but I hate it now. Like I can't stand listening to it. <laughs> Yeah, it's actually, I was just reading the Wikipedia, and it's the only thing on the Wikipedia is just a excerpt of him talking about how to clean everything. Yeah. He's like, I dig it. When we still play the songs, and when I uh, when I hear them and I play them, the message still resonates. But then it, later on it says, like, um, I just don't like when I hear that record, when I hear that actual record in the recording, that moment in time, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, turn that fucking thing off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, which I, I definitely can understand. Like, it, you know, the record is super old now. It doesn't sound anything like their other stuff. And that voice is definitely not, it doesn't like well. Yeah. Um, it sounds super forced. Um, and, you know, uh, so I, I'm glad that he ended up taking the, the turns. That's probably another reason why Showdown is so good because it has a non forced, great melodic voice on it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? <laughs> Though it, it's really weird to me hearing john on these songs on this in this kind of music because i i'm way 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 more into the weaker thans i i've never really had i've never really been into propaganda i mean justin talks about our you know our friends who are really into their earlier stuff like they never really they never pushed them towards me and i never got into them and i don't think i ever heard them listening to propaganda um when i was around so I, I know John K as John K and and the Weaker Thans, and it's super yeah. super weird to hear him singing over like thrash riffs, mm-hmm. for sure. <laughs> yeah, especially on the the next record when he did, with with Anchorless. Yeah, like I've heard the Weaker Thans version more than I've heard the Propagandi version. So every time I hear it, I'm like, "Well, it's too fa- it's too fast, John. Slow down. You're playing it too fast." <laughs> <laughs> But it, yeah, that, that's I like that, that version too. Reminded me though, I was like, every time I hear John on these two records, I'm like, God, I wish he would do another record like this. Like, I don't think he'll ever do anything like this ever again, just based on like his output. You know, he's just gotten yeah. softer and softer. But like, I would love to hear just like him do a skate punk record or like a, just a faster paced punk record. Just you know, for diff. You know, I love the Weaker Thans. I love those albums so much, but. Like he does this really well too, and it's just like I want I want him to do this too, you know. Yeah, that like if it was a pop punk band that sounded like Showdown or Anchorless with John singing, I think it would go so well right now because there's so many bands that are doing that type of thing now. Like mm-hmm. that, like um, it's like uh, so. Me and my partner were in a band that was like I always called sad punk, and um, essentially what we were doing was like Iron Sheik and and weaker thans kind of mixed a little bit um but we were all like a bunch of like hardcore kids kind of so we're like hardcore kids writing pop punk so there's this like weird heavy sadness that comes from like that that kind of goes with with like showdown or something and then with john's vocals over it to bring it like real somber and it's um i think it's like a really cool mixture that you don't always it doesn't always work and it works really well for that so it would be cool to hear like if weaker than just like we're gonna run this like rip this like faster pop punk record yeah or like just, a, maybe an ep little, yeah. little three yeah three, five song that'd be that perfect be <laughs> with like a cool cover cover kid kid dynamite or something <laughs> 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 
minute, Dad. Did you actually say freedom? Well, if you're dumb enough to vote, you're fucking dumb enough to believe them. Because if this country is so goddamn free, then I can burn your fucking flag wherever I damn well please. And then I'm gonna stick it up your fucking ass! I carry their ransom I listen to the version that's on Spotify, which is the 20th mm-hmm. anniversary edition, which includes a couple of extra tracks um, and does a little sequencing change. Like they keep, I want you to, I want you to vaunt me um, <laughs> at the end, except it's like after the, the other songs that they put on. Yeah. yeah. After like, there's like demos and stuff too. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. yeah. I think it's like before the demos, but yeah. Yeah. They, it's they, like the um, B sides. Yeah. Um, apparently Fat Mike took those songs, like they recorded like Middle Finger Response, Hate Myth Muscle, no wait, that's the wrong one, uh, I have a different list, uh, uh, Pigs Will Pay, Homophobes Are Just Pissed Because They Can't Get Laid, and Leg Hold Trap, Mm -hmm. were recorded in the session, but Fat Mike told him to take them off the record, which is probably fine, like I, I don't think the album is hurting without those songs. I mean, I could trade some songs here for those i actually really liked the um homophobes are just pissed and like whole trap especially um i really really enjoyed those songs and that's part of what kind of contributed to my uh flip in enjoyment um re-listening to it today i actually just skipped a couple of songs (laughs) and really 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 enjoyed it um (laughs) what songs did you skip i'm curious so if you if you the first time i listened to it i was like first four songs hell yeah this is great like this is kick-ass skate punk like cool riffs you get a john song like that's this is super cool and then ska sucks (laughs) which i feel like it's so jokey it also is i'm looking at the numbers one of the highest listening records yeah Um, but that's like I like the song and all, but it's definitely more in that hokey skate punk thing and not as serious. Yeah. And I prefer, I prefer the serious side of it. Yeah. So I understand that. I understand that for sure. And it was like, I mean, like I got the joke, like, and I get what they're saying. Like, and I know that they even said like, um, that they are, that they're fans of ska music, that they don't actually hate ska and that fat Mike made them put it on there. Cause he, (laughs) cause he thought it was funny. Um, but he, it has done ska songs with no effects. He just thought it was funny. He just thought it was funny. Should... Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wouldn't. I wouldn't have included it on the album. It. It actually. Now that you remind me, that's probably the first propaganda song I ever heard. Which probably a lot of people found that song, especially during like the the Napster era where people were just downloading like songs at a time. It was probably like. It's probably I feel labeled. like that's why. That's probably why Fat Mike wanted that song on the record because he knew that that would be the one that people played. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. It's like. It's just the first like two lines of the of the record will piss off any ska kid. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying, and then then it causes that whole thing. And but it's like also a ska song, so I fit it, it fits perfectly with that like like the no effect style ska, like yeah, so long thanks for the shoes type ska. Yeah, I think uh, and the I just, version I heard wasn't even propaganda though. I think it was against all authority covering. Oh it. yeah, I'm sure. It w- oh wow, <laughs> I haven't heard that name Terrible. in a long time. I saw them. I saw that on a couple times actually, way back when. <laughs> they always did that really sick descent, uh, um, Dead Kennedys cover. 
(laughs) (laughs) So, like, listening to that song, I'm like, I get the joke. It's not that funny to me. Like, and it's not even a particularly good ska song. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So, I, it made me then not enjoy Middle Finger Response very Mm. much or stick the fucking flag up your goddamn ass, you son of a bitch. <laughs> and that, I love that song because that song ends with the riff for their uh, their national anthem. Right. It ends with Oh Canada at the end. And I was like, that is so sick. Like, <laughs> and he says, just fuck put the a lot troops. of thought into that weird shit, you know? <laughs> and, um, and then, no, yeah, but. I, and then that goes into Halle Selassie up your ass. I don't know how to say it. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. That's how you said it. And you said it right. And I'm just like, ugh. All right. And there's I so that song's weird, but that song rules for the content though. Like yeah, it does. Um, Listening to it today, I listened to the lyrics and I was like really close. And I was like, shit, this is really good. So (laughs) that I between the two, I prefer that one way better. Even though that totally is the dragger on the album and probably Mm -hmm. shouldn't be on it. Um, Like as far as like keeping a record of just like hits or something, um, that that song I actually think is a great trans like it 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 sits very well and aged well in comparison to ska sucks maybe yeah Yeah. i I think it could be shorter and that would take away some of the dragginess of it Mm -hmm. it does it does it kind of like cuts the momentum that the record has and it's like one of the longest tracks on the album too yeah it definitely feels like it could have been a b-side but at the same time though like the message that they were trying to get across in 1993 wasn't like a super common message like especially in like fat wreck type punk you know oh for sure i mean talking about what what was it talking about what's the line about gaza strip and like um turning it into parking lots for uh for american tourists and fascist cops yeah Mm -hmm. like it's insane that's i wonder extremely relevant today i wonder if they got some heat for that song back then because like you can't i mean i don't know i'm you can't really even talk about israel online without people coming at you saying you're being anti-semitic despite you know being against zionism is not the same thing as being anti-semitic so i don't i I imagine they got some heat for this song back in the day but i don't know maybe maybe they're just off the radar i think they probably got less heat for it back in the day as they would like maybe today Think? Like I feel like a, I th- I feel like a lot of people just honestly didn't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, and you know because I just don't think there's no no pop punk kind of skate punk bands were being like um, I don't know so outward about like I don't know actual political ideas and um, just like the themes that they were doing were way more serious um, and I think most of the pop punk bands were going the other way and being less serious in yeah. ways. So, yeah, I mean, who did you have to really compare, like, Bad Religion, um, and then you have to go back further to, like, Reagan stuff to really get political stuff, I feel like. I mean, there's Discord stuff, but it's also written in a way that's not as, like, overt or, like, directly written. It's written more in, like, a artistic, you know, style. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, they definitely just like used the platform of that style of music to push their message rather than write to appease the people who like that type of music. I think a lot yeah, I think a lot of these songs are unique in the way that they're specifically political and not you you have these kind of crass like um you know, political almost political tracts 
like about specific specific issues and instead of just being like yeah capitalism's bad mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> it, it can wind up dating your your record if you go like hyper specific yeah. i think that's why a lot of that bush era punk stuff doesn't age as well because it was super like wmds and <laughs> and, and uh what's their name condoleezza and all that kind of stuff yeah it kind of dates it it's just, just like anti-flag yeah yeah like i i remember i remember being at a warp tour and they're doing turncoat and i'm just like seeing every kid that's 15 years old like by the time these kids can vote, they won't even know who the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> like, like you're not affecting anything. It's just that, yeah, so, yeah, you can't be, in a way, you can't be that specific. You have to creatively, like, how do you push it that the song will age better? Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you don't make the right decisions, you know? But, um, it, uh, and it's also sometimes in this case where it's this it relates yeah. so well to today yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, that, so that was like, the point this I was gonna specific make. moment even <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's unfortunate how many of these songs are have aged in the way that they have because they're still too relevant <laughs> yeah what's another uh there's another track on here oh um which one is it? Fuck machine? Is that the one that's a the, the basically the feminist track on the record? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that's specifically talking about uh, the objectification of women and like you know the news anchor line is the one that stands out specifically to me. Mm-hmm. They 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 said that early on they got a lot of heat or a lot of just like people were mad at them a lot for being like so public. I guess publicly, outwardly, like feminist um pro lgbt like super anti-capitalist like just like they got a lot of people mad at them early on because they were like it's because the punk scene the pop punk scene at the time didn't want to have anything to do with that kind of stuff because everybody in those bands was sexist, we're doing that shit was yeah. homophobic you know and so yep. i was like reading the lyrics on that song i was like man this one aged unfortunately aged well too you know in the sense that like yep still the same problem you know yeah, still people getting called out, still being shitty, avoiding it. It's uh, crazy. Um, I actually just uh, clicked on uh, lyrics for it, and I went to their site, and I like that they changed all of the like pronouns to add Y's in. So I just uh, saw that. Yeah, human, human with a Y. I thought that was yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, um, like I said, they've been on the right side of history, mm-hmm. uh, which is not. You cannot say that for almost every single band <laughs> that is like this that came from this timeline. Like, if you pulled every record that came out on Fat Rick in 93, I don't I mean, I didn't bother to look to see what else came out that year on the label, but, like, I imagine... Yeah, but that, I don't like, know if we if we want to go down that hole, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> this, this podcast will get real, real dark real quick. But, yeah, no, it's very true. It's, like, like no effects. I'm sorry, but Fat Mike's a piece of shit. So, like, it's, like, I don't know, like... Anyone who wants to feed their piss to children, like I don't know, I just don't, I just don't give a fuck about them. And like that's that's where that is, is. That's where that dividing line is. Is like he thinks he's punk as fuck for doing what he does, but really he's just shitty. The, the real punk as fuck thing is what they did when they wrote Fuck Machine, right? Yeah. So it's like I don't know. I'm sure they got a lot of shit for that stuff. No one wanted that shit. Like no one wanted to hear that, or you know, especially not in '93. Yeah. Because even like this, uh, even the this might be satire. It's yeah. like a satire of love pop, you know, pop punk love songs that were like mm-hmm. 
super dominant. Like it listening to it like on the surface, you're like, Oof, what? What are you singing? And then you're like, Oh, okay. This right. is definitely like he's he's calling it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at first it, it kind of catches you like, wait, what did you say? Um, and then um and then yeah, uh definitely for sure. Which I guess they're making that song felt specifically like they were making fun of like I guess like the Ramones core type stuff because it it has the kind of like really is this screeching weasel that they're making fun of? It has like, a really quaint, you know, Beach Boys love song kind of like structure to the lyrics, mm-hmm. but then is like super gross in the way that like I don't know the queers or yeah a lot of those other bands would be. Um, I guess uh, the last song we can kind of talk, we, t- we touched on it for a moment, but the uh, I Want You to Vaunt Me, the uh, <laughs> the cheap trick cover with some uh, ad-libs thrown in there. <laughs> yeah. Another thing that was, like, great at the time that just doesn't hold up yeah. for yeah. me. Like, it, I, a lot of the times those, like, campy covers don't hold up for me. So it, it's funny. That's very much the 90s pop punk skate punk thing. Oh, gotta do a cover of like a 60s, 70s song. So it's weird because I I was in a store yesterday and like it was kind of one of those like hippie stores where like, you know, like the Grateful Dead t-shirts and the, you know, jewelry and all that kind of stuff. But they were playing just like some 70s playlist and I Want You to Want Me came on the what the live in Budokan, like the famous live version mm-hmm. that is the single for some reason. I don't know why the live version is the single, <laughs> but um. I was listening to it in there, and I was just like, I hate this song. I, I, <laughs> I've i mentioned before, I think I've mentioned before, my distaste for Cheap Trick. They, their, their style of singing and like songwriting is so saccharinely sweet that I just, it's like nails on a chalkboard to me. Like, I cannot enjoy any Cheap Trick. I'm sure there's some tracks on the albums that I could get into, but as far as the singles go, oh no, I can't do it. But... Listening to this version, Chris's voice isn't as like smooth, and he doesn't like hit the same notes the way that guy, the cheap trick dude does. That's it, like an extreme understatement. Like it, Chris's <laughs> voice is real wildly bad. Like so, <laughs> <laughs> but like it fixes the song for me where I can enjoy it. It's like he brings it down a level where I'm not like I don't hate this anymore. It I don't know what it is. It, maybe I'm just yeah. I don't more, know why. I think I think. On, I'm on the opposite spectrum for that specific detail. Like, I think the song, I think the song is almost obscene as a cover. Like, it's <laughs> like, I don't know if I go listening to Cheap Trick ever in my life ever, it on purpose. But that that song is is really hard to get through for me. Yeah, <laughs> I have. I'm kind of the same. I have no investment in the Cheap Trick Cheap Trick discography nor their singles. <laughs> I think the song's fine. The melody doesn't. It doesn't grate on me the way that Justin, but I I know, I know that you have, I need to like actually sit down and try and figure out what it is about. It's like Paul McCartney, um, Mm -hmm. Beatles Mm -hmm. singles and Mm -hmm. like Beach Boys. Well, I know what you don't like about the Beach Boys. I think that's a different thing that's (laughs) happening there. But, but yeah, I'm not, I don't care about the Cheap Trick version either way, but I, this cover version does absolutely nothing for me 
Like, yeah, it's, it's probably the only time I'll talk super negative on propaganda is the, is the cover. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> I just turn it off, and I'm like, record's over. It was great. Like, like I, I, end, you know, I almost, ended on leg hole trap. I feel like it was, they were told to put it on or something. Like, you gotta probably. do a cover, and they're like, oh, fuck, I guess. Like, I don't know. Like, that's, that's I want to f- believe that that's what happened. That's how much I dislike the cover. I mean, most likely. I mean, I would definitely cut this track and i would cut ska sucks and then put back homophobes are just pissed and probably leg hold trap just have another john song yeah pigs will pay is good but it's not much different from like i don't know who will help me bake like i didn't feel like it was that different of a track i i i think i would even just add the last one on there just to have it Mm -hmm. or um who will make who will help me bake I, i feel like it just doesn't hit the same it's just like weird like it doesn't start super, super strong, and it has this weird, like, low, uncatching melody. As far as just, like, hits, that um, that could be interchanged with the other B-side, you know. But yeah. I like the content on the song. It's yeah. Um, yeah. But it's just, like, very low melody, nothing super driving at first, so it, it doesn't hit the same as the first half of the record. But still getting, like, eight songs in and being like, all right, like, other than Ska Sucks, it's like, that's a pretty good record especially for one that's um you know almost 30 years old yeah there's definitely albums where i'm like that's a great record and even it it has some weak tracks on it you know so like yeah yeah. for sure for sure this one this one's hitting really really you know on almost every level um yeah so i guess probably the last little bit i guess i'm trying to check my notes make sure i kind of hit all my topics but um I guess for a lot of people, Propagandi was kind of an introduction to these type of politically conscious, socially conscious style lyrics. For other people, it was probably a bad religion. But it got me thinking, I was like, you know, who who are the modern bands that are, like, super political, that are, like, really getting people's attention? Like, and the only thing, one, one I could really think of is probably War on Women. yeah. Which you know toured with Propagandi, I'm sure mm-hmm. for the right, for the perfect perfect setup. But I, that's the last time I saw Propagandi play was that that tour. Uh, yeah, War War and Women's probably one of the bigger ones. Um, I mean, I feel like I feel like the hardcore scene has a lot of accountability to make up for, um, but also bands are coming out in like almost in response to that with uh, a lot of marginalized folk that are doing this like mm-hmm. in the hardcore scene they might not be as big but they're uh, definitely like yeah. coming through and really putting a lot of shit on on the plate for people to like digest because um i think like they have to at this point, you know um and i feel like a lot of the a lot of bigger punk bands are too afraid to fucking talk personally mm-hmm. they're yeah. too afraid about money and about image or whatever they're too afraid to say say some shit especially on a record maybe they'll do it live in between songs but mm-hmm. i think a lot of bands are afraid to just say something the only yeah the only other thing that came came to mind for me is the uh that evan greer record spotify oh, yeah, surveillance yeah. yeah but even then like that record's not like i was just trying to think of like the biggest example yeah. because now if you really uh, yeah i mean but that one you know, that's a record that got a lot of press mm-hmm. so i, I think I mean, it's it gets... kind of just time will tell on on her success you know right against me i guess are still super political and like conscious but like i don't think people respond to the newer records as much as they were to like the earlier records i mean that just comes from the fact that like they've been around for 20 years now so 
they're not necessarily a new band. Yeah. But you're right, though. Hardcore is definitely, like, the place I would send people to find, like, super politically yeah, conscious stuff now, you know? It's even scary to say that, because then it's also, <laughs> like, who's going to get fucking outed this week, <laughs> yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> like, I just, I want, I want, like, the lake to be dragged on every fucking genre and just like have a clean slate for everyone mm-hmm. but it's just yeah. not how it's working but i do think that like i think because it's not because of like a hardcore thing or a punk thing i think because naturally the people that are saying it don't give a fuck if their band doesn't go anywhere mm-hmm. and it usually comes out more aggressive so then it becomes a hardcore thing like mm-hmm. you know it's just like i don't think it's like a purpose um I don't think that like hardcore does more politically than punk or something. I just think that's just so happens to be that the genre that it's falling on happens to be right there right now. Um, yeah. Cause you know, there are, there are bands like um, even Ramona, we're friends with Ramona who now live in Philly and they're like a pop punk band and they even have songs about, about being marginalized mm-hmm. and all three of them are marginalized individuals. And like, um, so they like, every, it's on everyone's mind. It's just, yeah. that I think it's a responsibility of bands big bands to do their job as people to make the scene all inclusive like you know i mean spider-man man if you you know with great power comes great responsibility <laughs> and like i feel like these bands aren't doing a good enough job especially all white bands all male oh, bands yeah. they're not doing a good enough job to to put their you know money where their mouth is um, you know that's like the first thing i do like say i'll be looking at like an article or something and it's got like a picture of the band and if it's like a band that's like literally all white dudes, I'm ten. I'm most time I'm like, eh, pass. Just because like, <laughs> give me, well, uh, give uh, me it's something. It's weird that this. <laughs> it's like yeah, it's like you. They now becomes an extra wall that this band now has to like an extra hurdle. This band now has to go over. Be like, all right, now you have to impress me. Like, yeah. what are you talking about? What are you doing? where's your money going as a band yeah. like you know and i i don't think there's anything wrong with that right now like i you know it it's not nice it's not right to have a double standard all the time of like you know uh i refuse to listen to you because of how you look or whatever that just creates the other side right but like <laughs> but i do think that like you have something to prove though like yeah. cuz you're if you're going to take up the space and energy now that someone else who has something more important to say you better be doing something very fucking good. Um, and, you know, that's just kind of my mindset. I know it's coming from me, who's, like, a white dude. But, like, I was going to say, there were three <laughs> white dudes on this show right now saying yeah, this. But. <laughs> um, but I'm also, like, a they-them folk. And I've, mm. been, I've been through a lot that, um, that is not traditional for, um, for someone that might look like me. So I try to do my best to keep my mind on that like i look a certain way so how can i present myself the right way and i also go to the side of like people are probably assuming this about me so i want to make sure that like i don't get upset at that assumption because it's it's okay like you know it's that people have to it's a defense mechanism now okay so i have to work around that and not be upset at it you know it's just like um so yeah it's just uh it's it's very different now and i think evolving with it and accepting it and learning how to get yourself out of your mindset and out of your feelings and into that person and being like well what have they experienced that made them react that way to you and stuff and that is the um the biggest thing in my life that i've learned to change in the last couple years 
is trying to see by perspective. I mean, me and Danny and the band talk about perspective a lot. Like when we were talking about our original idea of getting shirts made of just like we were going through this weird process of like, we first of all, pandemic, there's no reason to get shirts because we didn't want to take people's money. And then, um, you know, we were talking about like other bands that don't mean anything, but from an outside circle, not in the punk scene, not like anything just a random person seeing like a logo and what it would look like or seeing a lyric and what it would look like if it looked like kind of racy or something like you know like you put two letters in a circle and all of a sudden it looks like a weird logo you don't know what that logo is from well should i be scared of that thing like something you never really thought about before when you're trying to like create like a dead kennedy's logo or something you're just like well i don't know like which one of those aren't good now right (laughs) so we were trying to do like a ds logo and it just i made some ones that i thought were really cool until i just realized like to a complete stranger that could look like a a hate symbol and like that's something that like that like perspective is like uh, brand new to people like um you see older bands there's like an older hardcore band that came around i don't want to say their name because they don't mean anything by it it's just like they have a lyric that is very popular from their songs way back when and it's on t-shirts and you're just like from an outsider's perspective it looks like you're saying some white supremacist (laughs) some supremacist shit and like that needs to be considered because like how are you supposed to be all-inclusive when you're not even considering the people that aren't in the scene um so uh yeah that's like even that detail is hard and a lot of people will be like, Oh fuck that. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. That's the, that's the stuff I think about because, and this year has been a big eye opener for all out of that. Um, for me, you spend a lot of time in your head and then, you know, you're trying to vocalize it. And that's one thing I'm very grateful for this band is that I've been able to vocalize a lot of things that I haven't in the past. Like I'm a bigger dude. And the first thing I vocalize is like, Hey, I've never said this before, but like, can we carry extended sizes for shirts? Cause I, gained a lot of weight and i'm like not able to fit in most sizes now and they're like absolutely of course and then even crew cuts like the european label were like we never thought about that before thank you for reaching out so now they're like exclusively carrying up to 4xl which is bigger than i even asked for that's awesome Um, and just like i just like was so overwhelmed by that response and that's like something so small for someone like me you know so um it's just like super cool to be in that perspective being able to feel more open and comfortable to talk about stuff i I mean i myself am a bigger person and like that is one of the things that bums me out the most is whenever i'm looking at like merch i'm like oh shit i want to wear a shirt for this band i love and i'm like oh you only go to xl yo i straight up started (laughs) maybe it's the covid thing of like not being able to talk to people but i straight up now take it as an offense like (laughs) Like, I'm like, if you can't go above XL, you're telling me that you don't want someone like me wearing your shit. So I'm done. Like, and that's like maybe a little, a little extreme, but that's like, I started searching around. I was like, who, like all these bands. And you're saying that like, you have to fit in this like size restriction just to fucking. Mm-hmm. So I've always had this opinion, but this t-shirts are free billboard marketing. Mm-hmm. You're, and not even free. You're getting paid as a band for someone to, <laughs> to market your band. Yeah. Like you should be offering it as cheap or free and as widely accepted as, as widely range as possible. Cause it's literally just free advertisement. And the fact that you don't are saying like, you're not, you're too exclusive. Like I'm not exclusive enough for your club. And that's, <laughs> I've, I've now, li- I now like bands that I don't actually normally like as like musicians or whatever, like as like a, a style of music, I support them more 
when they have my t-shirt size. Right. I've done that too. I was like, <laughs> well, I, I like, like the I band, but now like, I, like, I'm a t-shirt owner of this band because they yeah. went that high. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, that's like, and like I said, that might be a, because of just like a year in my head of like, of, of just like whatever the, this fucked up year is. But that, that's like kind of the degree I've gone. I've kind of gone off the deep end with some of that stuff where it's just like, <laughs> what is the priority of this band now? And should I support that priority or not? You know, like the when I saw bands like putting out merch and stuff during COVID, my first thought wasn't like, cool, I can get merch from this band. I, my first thought was, how dare you steal money from a from person, a person during a pandemic? <laughs> so that money better be getting donated. Right. That's what, like that's what we did. We when Shiver came out, we for like a band camp Friday, we donated um, like 180 bucks is what we ended up getting the first time. Um, and it's just like. Yeah, I start like really looking at all that now. Like, what are your motives? Are you like about the business? Because if that's the case, I don't care, and I'm not going to support you. Like, I like your music, but that's and you do your own thing. But you know, um, as far as punk, there are other bands that like it's their life, and that's totally cool. Like, their yeah. business is to survive, like a job. That's a whole different thing. Yeah, um, yeah. I'm talking about the bands that like don't make any that are doing this for quote unquote fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, I know that's a whole, it's own whole little, that's my fucking rant, I guess for the, for the day. <laughs> it's just like this weird shit that's in my head all the time. Well, I mean, you brought up a couple things that like I, I hadn't really thought about before. And so like, I definitely going to take that into consideration now, like especially like the, 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 lo- the logo discussion you had there. Uh, that's like, some, just, that is something that has crossed my mind. Like I, I see a lot of like, especially heavy music merch and i'm like oh that looks so cool but it also looks like it might be a for a racist metal band (laughs) yeah well that that's especially in like the hardcore realm right because you get this like dark imagery that like is a little bit repulsive sometimes and you're like wow i like that because i'm in the world where i understand what the fuck that's supposed to be right Mm -hmm. but like what about the outsider who maybe into it or you may have you you know something that like who and then they see that and it's like well i was just in this position once in my life where i had a friend who had a logo on his hat and he got attacked because the logo looked offensive to a stranger not attacked like physically but like um verbally and at first i was really upset at that because it's like yo you don't even know but i was like wait that's the whole point like i talked to danny about it and danny put me in my place and was like look at it from this perspective and this is once again a great thing to be in a band with someone that you can talk like this about like getting me getting put back and being like look at what they're seeing Mm -hmm. like really look at that and then that really changed everything for me and and then that like it changed all of our like all of our logos and stuff, every idea we have, it goes like through hard scrutiny now to make sure that we're absolutely okay with it coming out. And that's something that may not be, it was not something that was the same for me. Like I didn't never put anything out really crazy, but there's definitely some offensive things that came out that like as jokes, maybe that were, um, I thought, that sounds really bad in a, in a like generalized term, but like, I don't know there's just stuff that came out that was like purposefully supposed to upset someone Mm -hmm. usually people who like cops and then you're just like uh maybe that was a little insensitive and um i never thought about it that way when i was younger and that's something that's super important to like it doesn't get your point across it doesn't help you mend people all it does is divide more and cause more trouble for everyone and then some innocent kid puts on that t-shirt one day and goes outside and then gets fucking you know beat up or jumped because of something that you did 
and like that's like i can't do that like i can't i don't know so it's just very important to uh to me now no that's something definitely i think does need to be thought about especially because you don't know what they see when you know i i have on my I have like a shoulder, like a one of those. I don't know what they call them. They go across the front, but you know, and then like the bag is on the back. But it's um. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I've I have got like a bags. couple buttons on it. Like one of them is like a, but one of them is like an. It's a swastika with like the line or circle around it and the line through it, like the the um the buster. Yeah. I don't know, do we have a word for that? Like that red circle with a line through it that like definitely means Ghostbusters and no smoking. You know, like yeah, the anti anti yeah, yeah. that thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I have had people come up to me and were like, what does that button on your back mean? I was like, what? It's a no. It's a bad one. I don't want. No, it's a no. I don't like it. So like they get it right away. They're like, oh, okay, okay. I I just wanted to make sure. But then (laughs) but from far enough away, I guess it can look like that. So yeah, even that. Yeah, that's a very simple thing that we have seen that logo since I was a kid as as a ska fan. Right. All this anti-Nazi shit was always a thing, and like, but yeah, like, so it's normalized for me, but not for someone who does who doesn't know what the fuck ska music is or doesn't know what the fuck punk music is. Yeah, and that's also important to consider. <laughs> like, yeah, it's the right message, and that's great, but also like, it is important to be like, if you really want to do something about it, and you really want real anti-Nazi shit or whatever, like, then you really got to push the message the right way and not cause more people to not talk to you. (laughs) Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, We've all had total strangers make comments or jokes or ask questions about our T-shirts that are just totally inoculate, you know, not threatening in any way, just like an obscure image. And they're just like, what's that? Yeah. (laughs) And you're like, it's a band. My favorite... It happened on tour for a total of three weeks, every, almost every day, and I now don't even have the thing anymore. Is a punch switcher, and every night someone stranger being like, "Oh, you want me to punch you?" Mm-hmm. And I, so I, I literally don't even have the punch switcher anymore. Like I, I refuse to like. I got rid of it because I was just like so sick of that happening to me. Just like no, it what in what world do you live in that this is a thing? And so I was just like, "Fuck it, I'll just." put like a sticker on my bag or something so <laughs> it's like, i was i was wearing a snowing t-shirt in the su- probably like in the summer in phoenix and someone was just like ha ha very funny wishful thinking <laughs> right and i'm like i look down at my shirt and like I, like i didn't even remember what shirt i put on like i had to look down yeah. at it and it's like it's a band like <laughs> yeah how do you not know yeah. that that's a band but also a great band by the way oh yeah amazing um yeah another one that happened is i had a hostage calm shirt for the um the um the uh pro same-sex marriage and on the back it said like i'm essentially like it says i'm pro same-sex marriage or whatever Mm -hmm. and i got a lot of shit for that shirt but also that shirt now is almost nullified right like it's great to have doesn't really produce the same message when everything's kind of going the right way. Well, yeah. not anymore. But anyway, it was one of those things like it aged a little weirdly. And I also got so much shit for wearing that shirt um, <laughs> from strangers um, where it's just like, oh, my God, I want to do the right thing. But also I'm so sick of like having interactions with people um, <laughs> when all I'm like in this gas station a thousand miles away from home just trying to get a Gatorade. Leave me alone. <laughs> this one's super innocuous, but like I was wearing a I had a Goonies T-shirt that I got more comments for than any t-shirt I've ever owned in my life. 
I had a dude chase me down from like one end of one park to the other. He was just like he was walking slow enough that he could never catch up to me. But he the whole time he's like, "Hey, hey, dude, hey, hey, dude, hey," just like followed me, and I'm like, "I'm not." Uh, what? Uh, and I finally turned around. I was like, "What? What? What?" He's like, "I like your Goonies shirt." I was like, "Thanks, man. You walked across the whole park. You made me stress out just for a Goonies shirt." Everybody's really seen the funny. Goonies. <laughs> That's really funny. We actually live, uh, Astoria is only like a yeah. hour and a half away from here. And uh, the Goonies house is all like, you can't go up there and look at it or anything. They don't, the people that bought it like really don't want you going up there. But That's um, like the Breaking Bad people too. Yeah. People bought the Breaking Bad house. They put yeah, like a- well, I mean, I understand because I guess people are just going up and doing the truffle shuffle all the time. And like, <laughs> I would be pretty bummed about that too. But also don't buy the Goonies house, right? Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have but to if be it was into just it. my random ass place and people were doing it, I'd be like, okay, this is funny, but like, why is it like 30, 40 times happening? I'd be <laughs> like, okay, I get it. Well, the Amityville house had that problem too. They changed the windows on the Amityville house because they didn't want people to recognize that it was the Amityville house. That's like, really funny. What? You bought yeah, the Amityville like, house. <laughs> yeah, you. Sh- I feel like one of those things, that's context, right? Like, you should know what you're getting into <laughs> and you should accept fully what that is. <laughs> You think you're about to say something? No. Um, oh. Well, no, I was just thinking about the Breaking Bad house. Um, oh, yeah. Like, people, people were, were throwing, throwing pizzas on the roof. So yeah. I really, really feel for them. <laughs> and they lived in that house before the show. I think it's yeah. still the same owners. Like, they finally had to put up a fence because it was just like, it's too much. Just too many people all the time. Yeah. I, I have a picture of the house in front of the house. Um, and they were, like, sitting in their driveway. They were... And so it was like, I walked up, I was like, hi, do you mind if I take a picture? They're like, just stay on the street. (laughs) You're fine. So like, they kind of got like, they tried to like, pay that little bit of fan service to people. Like, I know I live in this famous house. People are going to come here and they want to see it. But like, (laughs) yeah, stop throwing pizzas on our roof. Oh yeah. I think that would be a a line drawn. Yeah. Yeah. Like, cause it's like, are you going to get that off then? Yeah. Yeah. That's that's just give me the pizza right? mm-hmm. just let me have it i'll be happy you can say you, you did it uh well when we stray this far away from our main topic i guess that means we've uh <laughs> exhausted our uh, discussion so <laughs> ending it on roof pizza <laughs> so uh why don't you tell everyone where we can follow dry socket i mean i know google exists but you know sometimes people want to be directed to specific places so yeah where are we where um, are we getting your stuff yeah uh dry socket uh band camp as we talked about is great we have things on all platforms uh we have an instagram that we do our uh, we do our best i think half the members do their best to keep up on and that's probably it yeah shivers out on vinyl for uh, with uh, blind rage to live lie and crew cuts and we have an split coming out um that we've recorded with already uh with a band called bull cult from the east coast and that's going to be coming out uh soon i hope i was allowed to say that (laughs) just message me if you want me to cut it out (laughs) uh, dropping bombs is one of the record labels helping out on that and uh, that should be around soon we just got our masters in so that should be coming out pretty soon hell yeah Uh, yeah i think that's it Uh, otherwise we're just uh gonna be 
maybe it looks like September playing a show uh, as long as everything's okay. And what's the other thing? I don't know. Uh, just writing more. We have like a probably another full length's worth of music uh, ready to go that we've been writing through kind of mostly pre-COVID, but um, every every couple of months, uh, Jeff and Curtis got together and wrote stuff and then I would come down you know a month after we saw our, we saw each other probably a total of five times or so over the last year and um wrote wrote pretty much a record's worth of stuff so awesome yeah. very yeah. much looking forward to that uh and our very last thing we like to ask all of our guests to shout out or name a non-profit or charity that they'd like to bring attention to oh yeah you told me about that hold on i have it um so we actually um already uh, dry socket has donated to this before but it hits home with jeff really well so i wanted to shout out um black love resists in the rust and it's a um it's practices for the blm movement in the city of buffalo uh new york um dry socket has donated to them before and um jeff spent a lot of his time in buffalo in college so i was i just wanted to shout that one out again uh if it hits home for one of us it's very important Playables Unidos PDX as well is a very good one for local for us. So awesome. I'll make sure to include no- links to those as well in the show notes. Cool. Cool. Thank you. Thank you so much for doing the show. Oh, uh, thank great. you. Thank you so much. Thanks for, for shooting the shit with me for one yeah. of the best bands. And, um, <laughs> and that I, I kind of like that. We also had a, a diverse of like, you know, um, Dylan, not like being as into the record at first and we could talk about that <laughs> kind of perspective and I, I really do appreciate that because just being in like the same echo chamber of being like yeah it's great yeah it's really awesome it doesn't really have the same effect well so. I liked that I actually got to like say I didn't like it and then I did <laughs> I, I really love something you can normally see yeah, yeah that's I, really cool we, that's, we did we did an all record one time and I, I went uh-huh. into it being like I'm not gonna like this and then I came out I was like this is fucking great <laughs> So yeah, all is a band that is so cool but so weird. Yeah. Like I like yeah. I like the songs that are well known. Yeah. But I can't say I'm a big fan of like every all right? So um that's that's really cool to do that too cause, But yeah, I appreciated that dynamic because uh I like hearing the other sides of it. So That's that's 100% why we started having guests on the show is because after a point it was literally just me and Dylan having the same opinion on records almost every single episode. So we were like <laughs> We, <laughs> yeah, we got to yeah. get other opinions in here because this is just well us. this th- super cool take <laughs> on the on this idea of talking about record but like going through the years is super cool, so i love awesome big fan thank you 